At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. In Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet! jumped up and began to walk. <laughs> when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they, they shouted in the Laconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, You are only men. Human like you. We are bringing you good news. Telling you to turn from these worthless things. To the living God. Who made heaven. And earth. And see, 
and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet, he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven <laughs> and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. <laughs> Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. got up and went back into the city. Welcome to Acts. Christ's ministry continues our verse-by-verse -verse journey through the history of the first church that becomes churches, springing from a movement that Jesus began. After dying for our sins, raising from the dead, proving himself to be alive, ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit upon his followers, and empowered them to plant the first church in Jerusalem. And from there, the gospel began to spread. Anytime persecution would come against them by the enemies of Jesus, the gospel would spread further. That's the way it works. Come against us, we're just going to multiply like the world's baddest virus. We're going to go viral. So when you see persecution, don't fear. In fact, rejoice. Hallelujah, the gospel is going to spread even further. Today we're looking at Acts 14, and he ended there with verse 20. The next two verses I would just like to read right quick. It said that when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. On this map, the red thread represents their missionary journey. They left the church in Antioch. The Lord sent them. These guys were ready for missions. And one day the Holy Spirit spoke to the leaders of the church to release Paul and Barnabas to go on their mission trip. So they, they go to Cyprus and preach the gospel at two different ports there, sailing into one, journeying across the island, and sailing from another. And they go to what is now known as, as uh, Turkey and journey from Perga up into Galatia and, and stop at a city called Antioch where they establish believers there and then under threat of persecution and being thrown out of town by the authorities, they shook the dust off their feet and left there and went to Iconium. And there they 
went to the synagogue to preach and, and made converts there. And then after some threats of violence and stoning, they left there and go to Lystra and minister to people there. And a, blind, a lame man who had never walked wound up being gloriously healed. And instead of enemies wanting to destroy them, now pagans wanted to worship them. Now, before you look down on them, their beliefs, their superstition held that if the gods came to see you and you did not honor them, that would not be good for you. So they had that kind of fear in the back of their mind. It did not take much because of this glorious healing. Everybody knew this beggar. They wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas. Zeus and Mercury, Jupiter and Mercury, Zeus and Hermes are here amongst us. Let's worship them. And they were going to offer up sacrifices. In fact, garlands of flowers were already on these beasts they were going to kill. And, and uh, they were doing all this in their own language. And it, the Scripture said when Paul and Barnabas heard this, when, the, when it was translated to them what was going on, they tore their clothes in grief as well as to show, hey, I'm human. <laughs> Don't do this. This is God. And they began to preach the gospel from nature. Unlike going to the synagogue where you preach the gospel from history of the Jewish people and the law being fulfilled by Jesus to whom, through whom we get justification, now they preach the God that gave us rain and food and things to be happy about has sent us to you to tell you about Jesus. And it wasn't long when the enemies of Jesus showed up there and they turned the people's hearts against them. The very ones that wanted to sacrifice to them now wanted to sacrifice them kill them. Who knows, people that flatter you will turn on you quickly. Beware when somebody puts you on a pedestal because when they realize you're normal just like everybody else, they'll despise you. It just happens. So um, Paul wound up getting stoned, and we're not talking the fun kind. Drug out of the city, a mob, no legal procedures, no protocol followed. They just did it. That's the way riots go. People just drop all inhibitions and just go for it. I saw something like a stoning when I was a kid in Liberia. There, they just culturally have a practice. If they catch someone that's a thief, everybody wants to take a punch at him or throw something at him. And uh, this particular guy had was downtown Monrovia, had been caught trying to shoplift something. The shopkeeper grabbed him drug him out to the street, and just started yelling, rogue, rogue, rogue. And that brings people out of the woodwork to take a punch at him. If the police show up, it's to rescue him because nobody stops until he's dead. And so the scene I saw, this guy's face was so swollen, his eyes were shut, his clothes are torn, and there's an airborne man in front of him with a coconut that he heaves right at his face. So for primitive people like these people were, this is normal behavior. And so they uh, stone Paul, drug him out of town, left him for dead, and the believers show up later on, gather around him. We don't know if they prayed or whatever. Found Paul to be alive. He got up, went back, right back into Lystra, showed himself alive. And the next day, he went on to another town. Who knows it was time to move on. <laughs> I hear you, Lord. It's time to move. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, where they had come from, where they had been threatened, where they fled from. 
Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We get a clue of what it means to to be strengthened. In Paul's letter to Timothy, he commended him, encouraging him, 2 Timothy 3, verse 10, you have carefully followed my teaching, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions. So you're aware of all these things, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. What? I thought he was going to strengthen Timothy. Why did he tell him, hey, you're going to experience suffering? Because if hard times are coming and you're told about it, it makes you stronger, right? If you're told it's just a joy ride from now on, Jesus wants you to have the abundant life, you're going to have your best life now, never going to have any more problems, you're going to be taken by surprise when life and God and the devil prove otherwise. It's true. may not like it, but it can strengthen you. I don't particularly care for spinach that's canned. I prefer it fresh, but I know even canned spinach will strengthen me. In 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2, he tells them, Hey, I sent Timothy to you, our brother and minister of God, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. We are appointed to this. In fact, we told you before, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. Which brings us to the next verse, verse 22. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. It's not happy truth. It's not fun truth. Nobody's going to buy the tape when they preach on that. But you hear it and receive it, it will make you strong. You won't go into shock when things go wrong. I'd like to speak to you today on the ABCs of world missions, assuming we are mature, prepared, and sent by God. Now, don't turn me off. I'm not a world missionary. I know there's missionaries. This isn't relevant to me. I'm just a painter or a candlestick maker or a butcher or a baker or a homemaker. But I want to suggest to you this truth, that we are all world missionaries. Is Granberry in the world? In the world, in the world. I love that song. We are in the world. We are part of what Jesus began. We are called to continue the ministry of Jesus. He has delegated us. He has an assignment for us to fulfill. Now, part of that assignment is to be discipled. That's where becoming mature and prepared come into play. If you attempt to minister for God when, when you're not mature, someone cusses you out, you're going to slap them upside the head. You're going to pick up rocks and throw them back. You're going to destroy your own testimony. So the Lord doesn't send unprepared soldiers into battle. Who knows that's true? So, assuming, I'm just going to assume today we are all mature disciples 
wanting to do the will of God. And I'm going to speak to you like world missionaries. Now, you may not be a believer. Say, well, this certainly isn't relevant to me. I came looking to answers for my life. Well, I want to tell you this. There is a call of God on your life for you to answer. And if you call out to Jesus, he will save you, make you his own. Have, make, make sure you know all your sins are forgiven and that you have a future in him. You have people around you that will love you and, and care for you and encourage you as you grow in Christ as a believer. And then when you're ready, the Lord's going to put you into ministry. It could be, it could be again even tomorrow, maybe uh, on a lighter note, but maybe one day he will send you to foreign soil. Who knows? Maybe one day this place will be empty because the Lord has sent us all out into battle somewhere. Could happen. We want the Lord to do it, right? The church in Antioch heard the Lord say, separate into me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereinto I have called them. And so we've seen them each week fulfilling that calling by going through Acts and seeing God use them mightily. So what are the ABCs of world missions? Uh, they're here in Acts 14. I'm sorry, just the points came to me in alphabetical order. Each sentence, 15 sentences we're going to cover today, each sentence begins with a word that starts with a different letter. It's just the way my brain works. Anyway, always practice teamwork. If we're going to be world missionaries, we must be team players. Now, it happened in Iconium that Paul and Barnabas went there together. They got run out of Antioch. Barnabas didn't say, hey, Paul, you and I split ways, you know. Two people, two targets are harder to hit than, than, than one, right? Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. Even Jesus himself did not minister alone. He died for our sins alone. But he formed a team. So team ministry is where it's at. Well, I think me and Jesus got my own thing going. Well, that may be your favorite song, but that's not a biblical way of doing things. I mean, even the lone ranger wasn't alone. Even Tonto had the lone ranger, right? So God uses teams. Why? Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. When they get cold, one will keep, they'll keep each other warm. When they, one falls, the other one will lift them up. You just help balance each other. It's just good. Team. Another principle of world missions is begin with Jews. Why? Because they did. Anytime, anytime they went to a town, here they are, entering Iconium, they go to the synagogue of the Jews. They start there first. Are there any Jewish people in your neighborhood? Seek to be a blessing to them. Now, don't bake them a ham and take it to them, but seek to... <laughs> Seek to be a blessing to Jews. Why? There's a blessing in that. He told Abraham, Abraham's a father of faith, right? He's our spiritual father. He told him, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. The gospel is to them first. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If you're single, who knows? You may get a spouse out of the deal. I did. Anyway. So begin ministering to Jews. Have a great testimony along these lines. Missionaries have been in Zimbabwe for a couple centuries. 
But there's not been the spiritual breakthrough there like there is now. I mean, the church is big there, but something's happened in the last five years. It's just amazing. Jonathan Burnus, you can see him on Christian TV, Jewish Voice Ministries. Look for him. Check it out. He'll talk about this every week. Did an outreach there to an unreached people group called the Limba People. They did DNA tests on these people years ago and proved they're one of the lost tribes of Israel. They're more Jewish than any, any of the Jewish tribes. I mean, their blood is pure. They left Israel during the Assyrian invasion, back during the Old Testament, during the days of the prophets, and never went back. They look a little different. They're black, but they look a little different than the other Zimbabwe tribes. So as a result of this outreach that Jewish Voice Ministries did, the teams that were there ministering, saw 10,000 people become believers in just a few days. So... Messianic Jewish Bible Institute, doing what they do, came up behind Jonathan Burnus and established a Bible school. So today, five years from the day they, they established the school, they've graduated over 140 students and planted 72 churches in five years. That's incredible. Why is there such blessing in that? Well, why not? The gospel is to the Jew first. Now, if you have some prejudice against Jews, you need to deal with that. Anti-Semitism is related to all sorts of other prejudices. And it's our prejudices that will keep us from being world missionaries. I'll leave that alone. Now let's move on. Communicate the gospel persuasively. They so spoke. They were such communicators, these guys, that a great multitude of Jews and Greeks believed here in Iconium. We all have testimonies. We all have stories to tell. But sometimes all the details of our story do not really relate to the point. So share your testimony with someone who say, hey, can you help me improve my testimony? Well, you may want to leave out the story about the dog because that really doesn't have anything to do with how you got saved. You know what I mean? We need to, to, to improve our skills. Take a speech class. In fact, students... When it's time to choose electives, please choose speech. The greatest fear we have is fear of public speaking. So face that fear, choose speech, it will help you. You ever talk to some people that never get to the point you get lost in the details? That will kill evangelism in your life. Had one lady I knew years ago, she'd tell stories and you just like, 30 minutes later, I am lost. What happened to the dog? Oh, that's a whole other story. Well, why did you tell about it? Anyway, all right. If you want to be world missionaries, do not be surprised by resistance. The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. So here, a great multitude of people, Jews and Greeks, become believers. And then here comes along the poisoners, the resistance, and the evangelism slows down. The un, the, those not believing begin to turn their hearts against them. This happens. There may be people on your job that don't like you and they want to get you fired. So are you in fear just going to quit without a better job to go to? Don't do that. Stand your ground. I remember on more than one occasion in my life when I worked out in the public sphere, there were people wanting me gone. But I held my ground. I had a family to feed, for goodness sake. And within a year, they were gone. 
people much higher than I up the totem pole. Go on. So just hold your ground. Don't be surprised when resistance comes. Go into shock. Oh, everybody doesn't like me. Everybody's not going to like you. Enjoy information. Enjoy inside information when threatened. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. That is so interesting. Verse 2 said, The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against their brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. What? (laughs) Therefore, because of that, they stayed there a long time. How could they do that? Because they had inside information. They knew the God of the universe had sent his word in flesh, had died for their sins, their sins were forgiven, they were justified before God, and they knew God had sent them on this mission. They didn't put themselves there. They had inside information, and they knew they had the gift of eternal life. So kill us, even better for us. To live as Christ, to die is gain. Go ahead and kill us. I didn't want to live in a nursing home anyway. Fear no one but the Lord. They stayed there a long time, and they didn't only just stay there, they became bolder in the Lord. Not in my flesh, you know. Oh, you're going to want me? Bring it. Bring it. No, just let me tell you more about Jesus. And give his message of grace to everyone. Now, this statement is based on this whole verse, which we've been kind of looking at fragments. They remained there for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace. God bears witness when we preach grace. They weren't calling down fire out of heaven to kill their enemies. They were declaring God's grace. Jesus died for you guys too. You people that hate us, Jesus died for you too. And he did it by granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. This reminds me of a story Pastor Olin Griffin told. Back during the days of the communist regime under the rule of Kochescu in Romania, there were informants everywhere. He kept the country poor so he could control them, and people that had information the government deemed important, they would get money for it. And so these informants would visit churches to tell on folks. Well, this filled the churches with suspicion. And who knows, suspicion just destroys church, destroys trust turns believers against each other and all kinds of other stuff. And this particular church Pastor Olin visited was very healthy, and here's why. Here's the attitude they had. He witnessed the pastor get up and said, Hey, glad everybody's here today. I know some of you are informants, and you're going to report on us to the government, but we want want you to know Jesus loves you, and we love you, and we're not going to hold back preaching the gospel today. He said that was a healthy vibrant church because they preached grace even to those that were not worthy of it. Let me ask you a question. Who's worthy of God's grace? Nobody. Glad you didn't raise your hand, right? Hope and pray for more miracles. God was granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Why aren't there more miracles? Why aren't we praying for more miracles? The early church did. The first time the church faced some serious threats, they had a prayer meeting. In Acts 4, verse 29, here's their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
Now, I'm being world missionaries. We're not talking about standing on the street corner holding up a sign telling people to go to hell. We're talking about signs and wonders through the name of Jesus to bear witness to the message of God's grace. That's what we are called to do. And there will still be detractors. There will still be people saying, oh, it's fake, it's not real. Ignore that and go ahead and go about our business of declaring God's goodness. The city became divided over them, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. But they didn't stop until it was time to move on. And when it is time, jump from the threat of abuse to your next assignment. They didn't say, man, this is too hard, I'm going to go back home. No, they stood their ground, but when it's time to move, you know, if you're dead, you can't be a missionary anymore, right? There's no evangelism in heaven, right? There's no coffee breaks in hell either. Anyway, let's move on. (laughs) When a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews, this is an Iconium, with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they didn't just want to kill them. They wanted to kill them painfully. They wanted to put some hurt on them. They became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia and the surrounding region. And so in Lystra is where this lame man got healed. Keep the effective strategies going. What worked in your last assignment will work in your next one. If it worked, it worked. The enemy has no new tricks. He's not creative. He's just relentless. And what gave you spiritual victory last week will give you spiritual victory next week. Let's say, let, let's say you face a particular problem and you exercise a certain kingdom strategy to overcome that problem last week. Next week, here comes the same problem. Don't throw up your hands and say, oh, it didn't work. No, it worked last week. It worked this week. You won that battle Now you'll win this battle. Be just as relentless. Amen? Just as relentless to fulfill the assignment God has for you. It may be at school. It may be at work. It may be in your own house. It may be in your neighborhood. It may be in Timbuktu or even Antarctica when humans are living there. Effective strategies work every time. Learn that many are susceptible to idolatry. And learn that we too are susceptible to idolatry. Now in this story, the pagans wanted to worship the evangelists, make gods out of them. But rather than us looking down our noses at them, let's look at our life. What have I made an idol of? Sometimes God's blessings can be an idol. Well, I can't go to Africa God, you called me to Granbury. Well, if God calls me there, I'm not saying he has, I must go. Otherwise, I make an idol out of Granbury, right? Lord, I can't serve you in Alaska. I have a career here in Texas. Well, if God is telling you to go to Alaska and you refuse because of your career here in Texas, what is that career? An idol. Anything in our life that causes us to say no to God. Now, you want to make sure God's the one telling you to go. And not just because some prophet, so-called prophet, told you to go. But God has confirmed. You know he's speaking to you. You go. Otherwise, the thing that's keeping you from going becomes an idol. 
So learn our own susceptibility to idolatry. We live in a nation full of idolatry. Why? Because people do not know the living God. And always make sure that God receives all the glory. When they realized these people were fixing to worship them, they declared, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the good news, the gospel to you, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. Turn from vain things to a living God. Sometimes the roots of rebellion is idolatry. Sometimes the roots of addiction is idolatry. I'm going to look to this thing for fulfillment when God wants to be our fulfillment. Make sure he receives all the glory lest we make idols out of ourselves. Don't want to do that. I see this sometimes in Christian media. When preachers are selling their anointing, man, that's idolatry. That's, we don't worship the anointing. We worship the anointer. We worship the anointed, Right? The anointing is not a person of the Godhead. The anointing is a result of his activity. We worship the giver, not the gift. Amen? Never think you won't have pain. I wonder if Paul got reminded of Stephen when this happened to him. I don't know. Jesus had this to say, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force, Matthew eleven twelve. You read this in various translations, it pretty much says the same thing. But there is a few translations that say the kingdom of heaven forcefully advances by force. But if you read the context of John the Baptist and what he was experiencing, you realize what Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is real, yet there, it's going to experience resistance. The reality of persecution is part of the picture. In almost all of Jesus' parables, there's the presence of evil. The parable of the sower, there is the birds of the air. The parable of the prodigal son, there's the jealous older brother. I could, I could go on, but the point is, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. So the kingdom of God, being the dominant force of the universe, acknowledges the fact that there are enemies that are against it. And when you read the Gospels with kingdom eyes, you realize every miracle, every act of kindness, all of the healings were actually acts of violence against the kingdom of darkness. If you view it from the eyes of the enemies of Jesus, he was coming against them. Now, we see that more easily when he cast demons out, but this was havoc to the enemy. So until the final judgment day, this is part of the reality. Need some other witnesses to this, right? In John 15, 20, Jesus said, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. This is that violence. John 16, 33, the most well-known of these. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Everybody say, peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. 
I have overcome the world. So we are following a world overcomer, and the things we face, we too will overcome. He did not overcome trouble, so we don't ever have to face trouble. He overcame trouble so that we could have peace in the midst of our trouble. Never think you won't ever have pain. Concluding point today, optimize your ministry by bouncing back. What did Paul do after that stoning? He got back up and went back. We fall down, but we get It's believed by some that when he talked about his experience in heaven, that he got a taste of heavenly things to come, that maybe he did die at that point. He wrote about it later, but he didn't refer it to it. Could be that could be that, that happened. I know that God gives us grace to overcome whatever we face. He experienced a thorn. People have been you know, debating that for centuries. What was it? Was it his eyes? What is this? What is that? It doesn't matter. The point is God's grace was sufficient for him to live with that thing until it was completely gone or under his feet. In conclusion, they go back to where they'd come from, where they come through, where they had suffered, where they'd been run off. Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch from Derby, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain in the faith, and telling them things like this, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this room full of world missionaries. That we would embrace our calling. That we would see that we're on an adventure. And that we would obey you in all things. In Jesus' name. Now, what I'm telling you is not 12 keys to your recipe for a comfortable life. But let me ask you this. Who wants to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? If your life was turned into a book, would it be an interesting read? And everything went well and they were all comfortable, and it was just nice, and they baked cakes and had fun and played pat a cake when they came to church. Who would want to watch that movie? The adventure of life is conflict and then the resolution. The kingdom of God advances by conflict with resolution, conflict with resolution. You've got neighbors that are going to hell that need to hear about Jesus, and they need to see real Christians. Welcome to the mission field. When you leave this place, you are entering your mission field. Oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I haven't been discipled for three years by, by an apostle. Well, when they weren't ready yet, he sent them out two by twos. Amen? Get with somebody and pray about your neighbors. Get with somebody and think creatively. Have a brainstorm. What can we do to show the light of God to this county? In Jesus' name, amen.